I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hello and welcome back to Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast with me, your host Caroline Foran, author of Owning It and Own It in the US, and of course the Confidence Kit. This week I am joined by someone you might not know, you might not be familiar with unless you follow me on Instagram. It's my brother, my big brother, and I can assure you it is essential listening. Um, my brother Daniel, who is who's six years older than me, five and a half years older if you were splitting hairs, who I always thought of as completely bulletproof, um, he actually had his own experience with anxiety throughout his life. But instead of anxiety about being you know, away from home or having tummy troubles like me, that kind of thing. For him, it was anxiety brought on by a stammer. So if you or anyone you know lives with a stammer or experiences any kind of social anxiety at all, I mean, it doesn't have to be because of a stammer. This episode is completely for you. I've learned so much from chatting to my big brother and I hope you will too. I'm incredibly proud of him. Um, It was quite an emotional episode to record as it really wasn't that long ago when he would have avoided answering the phone, let alone recording a podcast with an audience that I'm now delighted to say is up there in the thousands. Um, so this is this is a good one. It's a very important one to me. And thank you for listening. As always, thank you for subscribing. And I'm so grateful for your reviews. And yeah, enjoy. go back to early childhood like do you remember a time the earliest time that you kind of were aware that you had a stammer or you had a speech difficulty that made you feel like oh this is actually gonna this is quite stressful I think I remember when I was quite or maybe five or six when I was aware of it but it didn't it didn't have a negative impact on my life it didn't make me kind of sad or down I think when I first began secondary school that's when I noticed oh this is actually a big deal and it was starting to affect me I think the anxiety began for them yeah I think part of that was because I went from quite a small primary school into a much bigger secondary school mm-hmm. so a lot of 
new people, new teachers, and yeah, that's when it began to really become quite. But even anxiety. if you even if you didn't have a stammer, like I remember hating those first few years of school a little bit as well, and I didn't have that kind of difficulty. And to be honest, I didn't really have anxiety until it, like I was a little bit older, but you're right at the point where you're starting to care what everyone thinks about you you're suddenly so self-aware so for you it must have been like a double whammy of trying to fit in but also trying to I guess you would have tried to hide the fact that you had this difficulty well for me it's even more basic than that so even saying my name so people who generally stammer have a real difficulty saying them because it's the only word they can't substitute for anything else Mm. and for me a member that first year, even second year, third year of secondary school, you know, you'd have a new teacher and you go around the class asking everyone's your name and so you know where she is and you're coming up maybe four or five people and mm, you start to feel the anxiety. Your rising. heart is starting to beat, you're just you're not quite sure if you're gonna pass out. Oh god. And then it gets to your name and you're just praying that you get it out. And it's just for me, it was just all about, oh, God, if I can't say my name, they're going to think I'm just so stupid. And so will the teacher as well. So for me, it was a real basic feeling of people literally think I don't know my own name. And the reality is you got how many points in the leading search? <laughs> <laughs> you are actually annoyingly, insanely smart. So there was never any doubt about that. But I suppose just... Well, there's book smart numbers street smart right well you're pretty street smart as well but i guess it just does come back to what do people think about me and at that point like i mean i don't really remember it wasn't something you spoke about and i don't even think i was aware because it was just normal to me that maybe you would delay in your sentences a little bit it didn't seem to affect your life because you didn't talk about it because you didn't say it but only now that i'm an adult and now that you're kind of really addressing it Mm. in, in every way only now i'm learning how shit it was for you like you didn't, there was times when you didn't want to answer the phone, right? Yeah, well, I think maybe until I was 16, 17, I used to dread answering the phone. I think, luckily, when I was that age, there was no real thing as yeah. mobile phones. But I remember if I was in a room with someone else, I would just assume they would answer the phone. Yeah, and you had a coping mechanism if you had to answer the phone. Yeah, so actually it's it's funny because my dad used to always give out to me for it, but I used to say, yeah, hello. Because I couldn't get out the H in hello. So he just thought I was being, he was like, Daniel, why are you being so rude saying, yeah, hello? But it was actually like, I just, I know <laughs> like, it sounds, yeah, hello, whatever. it sounds rude, but that's my little trick to And did you explain that to dad? No. <laughs> so in, in a way, it, like he wouldn't have known. Oh yeah, this is it. I was, obviously, I felt a bit of shame, a bit of guilt, but whatever I felt, I thought it'd be much worse telling him the real reason why I would say yeah hello instead of hello and what at what point in your life do you think it was at its worst and it's most challenging for you in terms of the anxiety that came with it I think well there's probably a few a few points I think one that comes to mind is beginning college or university and so I was doing this physics degree and I thought oh grand physics just lots of Nerds. numbers on pages <laughs> not much getting a presenting but lo and behold the first year we had this presentation course to do and I definitely missed the first six or seven lectures purely because I just did not want to be in that room having to stand up in front of maybe 30 people and say a few words but then I said look I have to do it so the 
the end of year assessment or the end of term assessment, half of the marks went to you presenting, you know, a little five minute or 10 minute spiel on some physics. And I remember just not sleeping at all that night. And because I mean, a lot of people would struggle with sleeping the night well, before anyway. Yeah. And then you're adding, it's kind of like. Yeah, for me, it's just more, more of an even basic emotion of like, there's one thing. Yeah, I I know everyone probably feels some sort of well, anxiety I'm around for you, that. It was like tenfold because you also had the difficulty of yeah. just the simplicity of the words coming out of your mouth. Hundred percent, and people, a lot of people who stammer. What some of the tricks they use is they say, okay, well, if I can't say this word, I can say this other word. Mm -hmm. So in my mind, before I gave that assessment, I was like, okay, well, if I can't say this word, I can say this word. But it was just becoming like, oh, I've got plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D for if I can't say this word, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like whether people have anxiety around that or anything else, something that people fall into a trap of is uh, avoidance techniques. And, you know, I would have, you know, I didn't go away. I, I spoke about it before. I didn't go on J1s and I always sort of said, oh, I'm, I have to work or I need to, you know, mm. but it was avoidance so that I didn't have to admit that actually it just makes me uncomfortable. So did you, I think you avoided things for a long time before you even addressed that it was affecting you. Oh, hundred percent. It was just my first reaction. I would avoid, I would avoid getting the, the first round on a night out in a bar. I would. Because and what, I, why that? Well, because I thought, okay, if, if I've uh, a few drinks in me, I might. I, and generally, when I when I drank up to a limit, I would get more confident with my speech. Mm -hmm. Obviously, after that, it might go the other way. <laughs> but up to certain points, that well, if I just have one or two drinks in me, then I go to the bar, and then I could order the round. Now, for me personally, if it was just me and my own, my favorite drink would maybe change once a week because depending on what I could or couldn't say. Really? But you just learn to cope these things and you just shrug it off. So you'd I have would... like a vodka and coke one week and then, well, what is it easier? Because if you change it often, is it is it easier to get it out? Yeah, so I think generally when you stammer, you've got certain feared words, which can change over time. But the more you have this one feared word in your head, the more you avoid saying it did you have a particular word well besides my name i think i used to love drinking pints of carlsberg and then after a while i realized i had difficulty saying carlsberg especially in a bar you can imagine it's you know loud music barman saying come on what's your order yeah. there's more pressure on you and then i just developed this fear of saying the word Carlsberg. So I had to change from Carlsberg to Heineken and then until that became a feared word. So it was just this never-ending cycle of moving from feared words. And do you think you were just so used to that fear and used to trying to have those little mechanisms of coping that you weren't even aware of how much it was impacting on your life? Or were you deeply aware but you didn't want to talk about it? I think when I was younger, yeah, I would just brush it off my shoulder. But as you get older... I think shame and guilt starts to set in a little bit more. And as I got into my 20s and mid-20s, I would get more upset with myself for, be it not saying a certain word or avoiding a certain situation. So I would get more frustrated at myself for not doing the right thing or saying the right word. And that's just obviously going to create more tension in you and you know oh yeah it just builds it up was anyone ever mean to you about it to be fair i probably got off reasonably 
likely in terms of getting getting slagged. I think maybe I just hit it so well that it wasn't as obvious. But I think, in all fairness, I've I've heard stories from other people who have stammers and stutters, and I think you know in the in the grand scheme of things, I got off pretty. So there was no lightly. sort of one experience that confirmed to you the shame that you felt about yourself well actually dish it tell me it's funny yeah so when i was 19 i was summoned for jury service mm-hmm. you probably remember this vaguely so you're kind of called into this into the dublin i guess it's the what district criminal court or mm-hmm. whatever it's called and you get picked to to serve on the jury and then i think both both sides can say if they if they want you or not, mm-hmm. three times. So, unfortunately for me, I got picked to serve on a jury, and it was a pretty like it was a it was case. a pretty yeah. But in that room, there must have been about five hundred people, and when you're sworn in to be a juror, you have to repeat words that someone tells you. So it's like I do solemnly swear, yada yada yada, and of course, you can't not say the word. You can't say different word for it and I don't know how long it took for me to repeat the words that I was told to repeat but it could have been five minutes could have been oh, an hour I just I was like whoa what happened there <laughs> is it over but then it was over and just people just kind of kind of got on with it no one no one said anything to me I was like all right right who's the next juror mm. but that was a particularly I guess shameful experience for me and do you think that so you're obviously like self-stigmatizing a huge amount do you think that so much of the problem is because of that and if you didn't have that stigma like is it self-perpetuating for you oh it's well for me it was a complete iceberg effect where you know you you may see me physically struggle once or twice but there was this massive bit underneath the water and this was me just struggling with with myself in terms of I just couldn't really tell people what I wanted to say only for my very close friends people didn't know me must I think god they must think I'm such a odd little man you know barely saying a few words maybe says says a few more things after a few drinks yeah but and so things got easier when you were old enough to drink alcohol yeah well I guess a lot of a lot of boys, when they start drinking first, part of the attraction is that, oh, I feel a little bit more courageous now. I can maybe talk to girls. And for me, yeah, probably me more than most, the fact that I could drink and get drunk and I felt more relaxed, it I felt more fluent. Even okay, though so I you had better fluency a, when you drank. Yeah, but I guess this was just driven by me feeling more relaxed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that that was definitely the party why I used to drink. And, that would be like a slippery slope, and I kind of feel it as well, where like I think, oh, like a drink will take the edge off, and you could just easily be like, oh, just have another one, take the edge off, you know, and be doing it every day, and suddenly yeah. it's a crutch, and you have to be like, okay, while it does have some, on, on, a, on a small scale, it can have some therapeutic effects, it's yeah. not really, it's not really addressing, it's not going to go away, you know, yeah. and obviously then, there's all the negative effects of, of alcohol. Did you did you talk to mom about it? Did you like was there was there resources at the time? Was there any kind of support? So I remember when I was about seven or eight years old, I went to some 
child speech language therapy and I guess at the time I'm I'm not sure if it was very evidence driven but it was stuff like slow down because I think generally a lot of children who have who first develop stammering it's because they're just speaking too fast and while that might work initially if you don't catch it at that stage all the mental aspects of it yeah. start to build up so I as I said I, I did a little bit of speech therapy when I was younger and that was mainly around speaking slower so then I just kind of I don't know what happened just we stopped going um not not nothing to not, nothing to do with man you're a terrible mother <laughs> no no not at all um, it's okay she doesn't listen to my podcast anyway yeah <laughs> no but to be fair though she did she did a lot and then I think when I was about 19 I had gone for some more private therapy and I did have maybe about six weeks and I actually got some benefit from that but so it's... you went from seven to 19 there may have been one or two things I had done during school but I guess I didn't get much benefit I'm I'm not sure if it's just come along so much since then in terms of the kind of therapies they give to children but I guess if it if it did if it if it was working I would have kept on going back but I guess it mustn't have been working for me mm. and I just didn't think of maybe saying to mom or whatever look this isn't working can we get some other therapy it just didn't even come into my mind I just thought right you just had to live with it mm. and then I got some therapy when I was maybe 19 20 and that was that was better that was more kind of focused on certain things but it didn't really attack the psychological side of it I think that's where it fell down and that's if you do ever go for therapy if they're not doing that side of it yeah you may ask for your money back yeah that's just such a yeah it's awful to me. I don't know if it's just to me but it's just an obvious thing that you would oh, have to work around the mental blocks that yeah. are triggering the physical blocks in your language oh yeah like there's there's basically two types of stammers. There are really, really obvious ones called overt stammers and there are ones like me that are called covert stammers. So for mm-hmm. the covert stammers among us, it's such a mental game. And if you don't really address the mental side of it, you're not going to really get any sort of long-lasting control over your stammer. Mm. And it wasn't until you were quite an old man that you decided to really tackle it so you're going to be 37 on your next birthday basically 40 uh yeah i'm a very young 37 thank you very much um this is just our nature i could not possibly inflate your sense of self so uh so what is it two years ago one year ago you started you decided what made you think you know you had gotten to that point you were obviously coping well but you felt like you hadn't really addressed it what where tell me about that yeah so as i got older i developed more more kind of subtle tricks while i wouldn't avoid as much i was still avoiding some things and i felt in work there was a bit of a a glass ceiling coming to me where if i wanted to progress to the next stage i would have had to would have had to put my name in the hat for various presentations chairing meetings yada 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 so i just decided to get a bit proactive and i and then also there was this other thing about where, as you say, I'm getting a bit old and a lot of my friends were getting married or it was it was coming on the horizon. So, and of course with that, you, I thought maybe I could be a shoe-in for maybe one or two best men. Mm-hmm. And now I know a lot of people dread the best man speech, but for me again, it would have been extra hard. 
even if I had drank a bit during the day, mm-hmm. I just didn't want to be in a situation where if I was someone to be a best man, I would have sleepless nights about the speech. So I said, okay, look, what, what can I do? And I had talked to one guy who had been a best man. He had quite a nerve-wracking experience, and he had done Toastmasters. I said, oh, well, so, and if you don't know, Toastmasters is this worldwide public speaking group. Pat Dively actually recommended on the podcast mm. I did with him about public speaking that anyone and everyone who has a fear of it should go and do it. Oh, and, and I think I need to do it as well. And, and I can't, I just have to say, like, I know you're going to tell me about it, but I'm just, I am in awe, completely in awe and have never felt pride like it than to see you do that and face that adversity when I think I know a little bit about what it feels like to have that mm. fear. So what what was it like when you did that then? I can imagine terrifying. Well, not as bad as you think, but the reason why it wasn't as bad is that the Toastmasters Club that I went to, so there's so many thousand in the world. But that one, it's one of three in the world that cater for people who have stammers or social anxiety. It's called the the King's Speakers. Toastmasters is named after the film The King's Speech. Mm-hmm. So I think going there and knowing that people had stammers or social anxiety, it made it slightly more bearable. Safer space. Yeah. Now, I must also add that if you were to walk in there off the street... Most of the time you wouldn't know anyone had any kind of difficulty speaking because they're up there, they're doing their thing. But maybe one or two out of 30, you would say, oh, this guy has some sort of a stammer. But most and would they wouldn't. would they sort of address that and say, look, I have a stammer and this is why I'm doing this? Or would they no, let it they, just... I always wonder, is it, is it something that you feel like you feel better if you put it out there? I, so every, everyone who was there was aware that someone had some sort of, besides the kind of standard anxiety around speaking, someone had a particular, be it a stammer or some sort of form of social anxiety. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning of each Toastmasters, the president would make a little spiel and he would say, we're the only, where we're one of three in the world who do cater. Not that others aren't welcome here. So everyone is aware that everyone given their given their speech on that night has something. But as I said before, unless you yourself had a stammer where you might know some of the tricks people were using, it would be very hard to tell if they actually had stammers. I remember you were doing all this, this stuff and I was telling my friends about it and they were like, what? They didn't even mm. know you had... Because I guess to you, in your head, it's, you know, you think a delay is like hours. Yeah. Whereas I hear a delay as the second I do remember the frustration of people finishing your sentences for you and I think everyone I think I do that as well I think people just do that as a in a supportive way but it's obviously so unbelievably frustrating when you're trying to get the words out yeah there's that but you know they're just trying to help you and I think once they're made aware of it they they probably say oh I'm really sorry I shouldn't have done that so what was your first Toastmasters experience like so my first Toastmasters uh, was probably, so I you once you sign up, you do this course of you have to make 10 speeches and the first speech is called a icebreaker. Okay. And you have to say a bit about yourself and say why you're here. And generally most of the icebreakers in that particular Toastmasters was about, well, I've got a yeah. stammer, I've got social anxiety. So I remember I was still quite nervous going up and I had all my notes but I had practiced it a good few times before so I felt 
okay, look. As any really, like, mm. proficient speaker does. Yeah. But I was definitely, when I came off that podium, I was like, oh, God, I just, I didn't realize how much of a, an emotional toll it, it took out of me. And I just, as soon as I finished, I went home, I just slept for about 10, 11 hours. But wow. I, I must say as well that just everyone was so, so warm and like for every every everyone given their first speech at Toastmasters you you do always say that was really great you know you looked like you were you know cool calm confident in control so it was just nice to hear all those words it was very reassuring that what I was doing was was going to help me and I think you know on its own it might seem like okay you did Toastmasters but what a huge huge thing after all the what age were you 35 when you decided for Toastmasters I was 35 yeah at 35 years of age to, to make that decision for yourself to do something about it was it was a very emotional time for you mm. and then you obviously thought you were on the right track and then you came across your course the Maguire course yeah so I had I had known about this program for quite a few years and I heard I heard mixed reviews I just thought it was some funny breathing thing where you sound like having a mild heart attack <laughs> people may have seen there was various documentaries on bbc and itv about it okay so i guess it's probably one of the more famous speech therapy programs and the reason why i had decided to do it was that there are some people in my toastmasters who had done the program mm-hmm. and they said look most people there because i just thought it was for really People were for, for for people who had really obvious mm. stammers, but people that I'd met in the Toastmasters club had said, "Look, half them, you wouldn't even know they had stammers." Yeah. So I said, "Well, look, if if they're telling me I should do it, and they they seem to be in control of their speech, I should probably think about it." And then as well, my girlfriend, who funnily enough is a child speech language therapist, so romantic. <laughs> like you found each other. <laughs> Actually, well, I hope she doesn't mind me telling me this, but she herself, when she was really young, about five or so, had a stammer herself, but mm. she was one of the lucky ones who grew out of when she was about seven or eight. Bitch. Yeah. <laughs> but she said to me, look, you've got nothing to lose. And so she was a good support Yeah, for she you. was. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? 
Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. And I guess you just mentioned there, before you tell me about the course, you mentioned that, you know, people were saying you wouldn't have even known that someone's having a stammer or maybe they have perfect speech, but it doesn't really matter mm. how someone else perceives a stammer. Like, it doesn't matter if I say, oh, you're grand. Like, you don't even sound yeah. that bad. It's and it, it's totally relative to how it makes you feel. And if you find you're struggling with it, I think, I think this is a message that comes up in every episode I do mm. that people feel like, oh, I, I'm not that bad. So therefore, maybe I don't, you know, maybe I shouldn't really worry or maybe I'm over being over the top or I someone else is going through something so much worse. Maybe there's someone who couldn't even say hello or look someone in the eyes. And compared to that person, you're probably in pretty good shape. But it doesn't matter. It's your experience yeah. and it's relative to you. And we're all going through different shit on different levels and everyone is everyone's feelings are valid which i yeah, think is something 100%. we're only really recently starting to kind of mm. allow for so you sign up for the course you shitting yeah. are you shitting yourself or are you excited i'm i'm definitely i wouldn't say anxious but i'm yeah feeling like this could be something either really great or this could be nothing at all and I just want to say, like, the, the, this, before we go into it, while this course works for me, there are other mm-hmm. therapies as well. This is not sponsored content. This is not sponsored. <laughs> for now, anyway. Yeah. Well, yeah. If you want to sponsor the podcast, uh, here's my email. <laughs> here's my bank details. Yeah. Here's my iPad. So I, it would, yeah, so I, I guess a little bit of a kind of a, a summary. It's essentially a four-day boot camp. Okay. And it's like 12 hour days, but to really change how you think about your speech, I think it was necessary. Mm-hmm. So in the first half of the course, you kind of, you deal with the physical aspects of it. There are ways to breathe. Even right now, I'm actually breathing in a certain way that gives me more control over my speech. Mm-hmm. And then the the other half of the course is to really attack the psychological which is such a huge side, thing. and you do things that I myself have been running away from for all my life beforehand. So tell me, one of the experiments that you did, I when you rang me and told me about it, I was like, "You are not serious." Like I wouldn't do this myself. Uh, you know, I just it's talk about putting you into the lion's den of your fear. Yeah. Um, so I so one thing that we do in this course, and I know they do this on other courses too not just the Maguire course is that they want to show you as a new student that most people don't really care that you have a stammer it's just more your perceptions so one of the things we do is that we're kind of we're out in so I right now I live in London and we go out into the public and we try to talk to a hundred people now we can ask them where things are or do they have the time or something like that but the idea is that you you go up to them and you in a controlled way you show them that you stammer okay so you're not trying to hide it you're trying to actually show it you're showing it but you're doing it in a very controlled way and most of them so for example if i say where is oxford circus i'd say excuse me do you know where uh, oxford circus is now Maybe to most people, they wouldn't even register that I stammered on mm. the O. 
But for me, that is a huge deal to tell someone, look, I'm asking for something else, which is hard enough. And I'm also telling you that I've got a stammer. Is that the most vulnerable you've ever felt? Yeah, I guess in some ways, yeah. And it it's what was what was nice was that a people just said, oh, it's it's this way or that way. You also do things. Well, you you can do things where you walk into department stores and you go up to board sales assistants and you tell them what you're doing. You tell them you're on this speech therapy course, and you obviously stammer in a controlled way. And most of them, they just they're just so bored. They want to. They think mm. that oh, that's that's really interesting. So you get such most of the time you get really good responses from these people saying, "Oh, that's really really nice. Thank you for." For sharing. The thing that I did that was, I guess, now this is not me trying to blow my own trumpet here, because, but it's things that... I think you should blow your own trumpet. This is amazing. Well, it's it's things that... So I've even managed to get some... So right now I'm trying to become a coach in the course, mm. but I've managed to get new students to also do this. Mm. So the the coach I was with on that day when I was going around London talking to various people... He said, okay, look, here's a challenge for you. And okay, okay, I said, okay, fine. He said, so let's go into a few coffee shops and make a announcement. I was like, ooh. And I said, okay, look, I know because I don't want to do it, I should probably do it. So we first asked the manager of the coffee shop, listen, do you mind if just make a quick 15-second announcement? We just want to make, we just want to spread awareness about stammering mm-hmm. that's all and to be fair unless they were dickhead they'd have to say yes right i think some of them just conscious of not trying to disturb the okay customers so with my coach i just formulate what i was going to say and at this stage what level of fear were you feeling yeah my i was because i gotten such a good reaction so far from that day talking to various people I could have been feeling a lot more anxious, but I was still yes. There was still a very my my heart was definitely beating You're a few really more beats. Really outside your comfort zone. So I I just said okay, I'm going to do this, and I there must be maybe maybe thirty people in the in the coffee shop, and they were all just you know on their phones having some coffee, and I said, "Excuse me, please, can I have your attention for a few moments?" I just said what I was doing, I was on this course that stammering affects 1% of us and thank you for your time. And I thought that they were like, yeah, whatever. But to my amazement, I actually got a standing ovation. So oh I was like, God, a standing ovation. I was like, holy shit, this is like great. And then I did another one afterwards. But the reason why I'm saying this is because a guy, so in the second coffee shop, a guy came up to me and said, look, thank you so much. My brother stammers. And I said, well, look, here's what we're doing right now. Here's the website. Mm-hmm. So it was just nice to kind of, A, say what I said, and B, have a nice reaction yeah. where someone actually listens to what I was saying in the first place. It's brilliant because when you are willing to put yourself out there like that, you it's kind of cathartic for you. You're, you're mm. dealing with it yourself. But on the flip side of that, someone else is seeing you deal with it and you're helping them. Yeah. Which is even more rewarding. And I think then it becomes a real collective, you know, we're all in this together. 
And yeah. it's just, then it feels really worth it. Because sometimes I feel like, Jesus, I put so much of myself out there and I show all my vulnerabilities and I, I worry sometimes, is it too much? But not only is it helping me feel more like accepting of how I feel, but other people are like, thank you for kind of saying yeah. that, that you're not, you know, not everything's perfect. Um, so, okay, so you did that course for four days and you were like a different person afterwards in terms of your emotions and how you felt, what you had kind of come through. The significance of it for you was huge. Yeah, for me, it was uh, probably one of the most important things I've done in my life. So I, I get, I got to work on the Monday morning and of course I had told my work that I was going back to Ireland for the weekend. So you didn't even tell them you were going on this course? No, I think I told maybe four or five people that I was doing because I was in that mode beforehand. I was like, I'm still trying to hide my stammer or I used to tell myself, oh, I just don't want to bother them about it. But if I really think about it, I was the one that was hiding my stammer. So I come into work on Monday and I just tell them all where I was. And I think in a way I was kind of hoping for a, oh, well done. But they're like, God, I didn't realize you had a stammer. And then it's all turned back around to their, <laughs> oh God, <laughs> to their screen. Like the realization when no one gives a shit. Yeah, you, like everyone is just so caught up in their own. Exactly. And that's the exact same conversation I had with Laura Whitmore where like, you know, we're talking about worrying about what people think and they give you like a blip of their attention yeah. for the day and then they're straight back to, you know, yeah, we spend the amount shit. of torture and turmoil we cause ourselves. <laughs> it's like, do you realize how hard yeah. it was for me to say? I know. Oh God. So anyway, it's kind of funny that you didn't, yeah. you know, I suppose then what matters is that you felt it was, it yeah, was Yeah, for me, it was, it was nice to at least say openly, I'm working on my speech. And do you think in that four day period, your relationship with it changed and the shame you had started to shift? Yeah, I think I realised that you're told in the course and I think it, well, I assume it's pretty evident there is no cure for stammering. But, and again, this just worked for me on this course, but what they do, what I did realise was that I've got a toolbox now that if I do feel I'm having a bad day for my mm-hmm. speech, I know I know what to do. I know if I'm getting a little bit rusty in my technique or I know if I need to push my comfort zones whereas before I would just hope that it would all fix itself whereas at least now I felt like I had much more control now I still have my days where I don't feel like I'm I'm speaking as confidently or as Mm -hmm. in control as I want but I do but but then if that is the case I know why it's because I haven't really been working on my speech it's something that I have to do every day Mm -hmm. Well, Barry always reminds me, like, sometimes, you know, if I have a day where I feel, like, really anxious again, and I think, Jesus, am I going backwards? And he used to constantly remind me that, like, overall, you're going yeah. up, and you might might be two steps forward, one step back some days. But what you're saying sounds exactly like, okay, there's no cure, but you're, might you say you're owning it? <laughs> <laughs> As a wise man once said, <laughs> you're owning it. But that's it, like, that's, it's the life change, it's a game changer. You know, when there's things that we can't get rid of, we can't run away from, but we say, okay, things have changed for you because you've accepted it, because you've said, I'm going to work with it rather than against it. And I just, yeah, I just, so, so many of what I think from what the chats I have with people is that so much of their struggle comes from this constant um, resistance and tension and trying to have things be a different way and trying to deny the reality of where they are right now. And for whatever series of events in life, you came to have a stammer and that's okay but 
I also want to know, you know, do you think what you've gone through and pushing through that fear and expanding your comfort zone, which you have, obviously has positively impacted how you feel about your stammer, but it must have bled out into other areas of your life. Oh, 100%. What have you learned? What have I learned? Well, try not, not to sound very cliche now, but... Oh, please go Oprah on me. <laughs> yeah, I think I've learned that, well, A, it's never too late. I think people just assume once you get to a certain age, that's that's your peak, and then it's just a... What's the point? Like What's the point? And it it definitely made me think, well, look, if I'm if I can get some sort of a handle on my speech, what else can I do? So I said, well, you know, I'd been in my job for a couple of years and I said, well, why don't I just go for a new job? And I must admit that partly why I didn't was because I would have obviously dreaded the interview process. And you've been in the same job since the year dot. <laughs> yes, it's it's been about eight that's not too bad. That's but, not too bad. So now, after doing the course and after all that, you have now you're you're in the process of you're working out your your uh, notice and you're going to start a new job and you're going to a yeah. completely different environment, <clears throat> which brings its own set of challenges. And how do you feel about that? Well, I've look. It's I think what I've what I've learned is that you know you have to work on your on your comfort zones and it's it's a bit like probably you know going to the gym if you don't keep on pushing yourself you're not going to make any progress so it was definitely giving me that i guess sports mentality to mm. just keep on pushing out but you want to push but also be nice to yourself and not yeah leave. i've i'm definitely guilty of being very hard on myself but i have learned if i do have a or at least if in my view i've got a bad day at my speech i think okay maybe for a few minutes think what went wrong write down what I can work on and then just put it behind me. Whereas mm-hmm. before I'd be like, oh, I can't believe I didn't say this. I mm-hmm. did say that. Compare. Okay. So just think about the internal monologue in your head when you were maybe a teenager or in college and you were like, oh, for fuck's sake, like, why can't I just not mm. have this? How did you think about yourself? How did you feel about yourself then? And then we'll compare it to now. So what kind of, what kind of things would you say to yourself back then? God. Um, How did you judge yourself? Yeah, I'd, I'd say it would have been very harshly a lot of self-hate saying, you know, you effing this, you effing that, I can't believe you can't say this word. What must they all think of you? Because while I was book smart, I thought, well, if this guy is book smart, but he can't even remember his own name, how does that that make sense? So there was a lot of that. There was a lot of, I guess... And I still have it now, but not to the same extent. You you do think what people think of you. But back then it would have been very specific towards this guy can't even say his own name. Is he is he okay? Is he a bit special, as they say? Did you worry that you seemed like you had a, a difficulty in your cognition? I was worried that people just thought I was a little bit slow. Were you embarrassed about yourself? Oh, 100%. Yeah, there was definitely the... The shame and the guilt. Did you I'm like sure. yourself? I I don't know how to answer that. I think I yeah I I've always been relatively hard on myself, but I think back then it was probably I was extra hard on myself just because I couldn't do the well in my mind I couldn't do the simple things like say my name or say certain words. Mm. And then now, with where you are and just things like maturity and experience and. I'm sure having a 
loving relationship that supports you and encourages you is definitely a contributing factor as well and you know having the support of your amazing sister um would obviously help as well and and the course and everything that you've done how do you feel about yourself now so i think i still have a little bit of negative self-talk but it's nothing compared to what it was even this time two years ago or this time 15 years ago i've definitely learned through my my age to as you say not be not be as hard on yourself and if something if you feel like you haven't done something particularly well in your eyes then just okay well what went wrong can i can i what can i do next time and then just move on and try not let it influence what you do next do you feel more worthy now not that you were ever not worthy but do you more accepting of yourself now yeah i think i i think so and i think now one of the good things that i i guess learned on the course is that it's it's quite nice to talk about your vulnerabilities and I, I don't just mean with your nearest and dearest but maybe to some of your friends who you mightn't feel as as close to in that respect like being a young man mm, it's tough and sometimes you go out with the, the lads after work and it's just quite nice to tell them what I've done and then that actually opens up the conversation as well for them well they think well if he's been very open about his stammer and his struggles sometimes it does spawn all other as i say real conversation rather than just the do you think men are particularly bad for that would not wanting to show vulnerability is it a macho thing oh yeah 100 percent. and especially if you if, if you've got to group them together there it's even more difficult and how have your friends responded your your most machoist of friends Already positive. Um, yeah, I was surprised. Not not that I d- I didn't think they would say anything negative, but the fact that they that they said, "Look, that that was that that sounds amazing. I'm really proud of you." I remember after my first course, and I was so you're told after you're on on the last day of your first course, the the most difficult thing now is walking back into the real world where mm-hmm. you have to think think like you were on this course and that means being open about your stammer and i was asking this guy who had gone through his first course maybe a year ago and i asked him what what he did and he said well you're not going to like this but i think you should do it and i was like what is it do some sort of a social media update Mm. and i was like oh okay so i had met my girlfriend after the course and we went out for a celebratory meal mm-hmm. and we had a few drinks and I had told her about it and she's like well you can at least type the social media post now and then in you don't a while have to post it. so we went for a nice meal had a few drinks and she was saying look come on you've had a few drinks now how about that post and I said okay I'll do it so I just pressed it and then I turned off my phone <laughs> as if it never happened <laughs> literally hit my phone <laughs> And then went to sleep that night. And then the next morning, so this was on a Sunday night, you think there wasn't going to be too much social media activity. It's actually the busiest time. I know, yeah. <laughs> People <laughs> are lying the, in bed. All those lowly hearts. Yeah. <laughs> and then the next morning, I just, I couldn't believe the, the amount of response, be it likes or be it messages, and even of people who I barely talked to in God knows how many years. It was just a, a nice thing to be so open about it. And did you have people who you had no idea had a similar experience, say, reach out to you and say, I actually struggle with a stammer myself? Because I had that with 
when I put up on social media back then when nobody talked about anxiety and I said I actually kind of fallen apart there was a particular couple of lads who I went to school with who I would have thought were unflappable mm. who I never would have thought would ever even want to say that they had any kind of vulnerability because I guess we all just think it equates to some kind of weakness in us and I was so surprised that there was people who I never would have thought they were saying I really struggle with anxiety and you're articulating what I went through and that was just like mind-blowing so did you have did you must have had that experience as well not probably to the same power or impact but yeah I had one of people come up to me and well not come up to me but yeah message me saying look really impressed with what, what you did and then explain what they were going through now one of them had a stammer one of them I think had some it, it wasn't I, I don't know how to characterize it but something in that social anxiety world so it's just nice to I don't want to say inspire them but just to say look it's it's actually not a big deal we all have our own shit and a no one really cares about your shit anyway <laughs> truth be That's told what we've learned yeah and b what's the worst can happen if you're actually just open about something that you've hid for so many years yeah and when you actually open yourself up to being allowing yourself to be vulnerable i think ironically makes mm. you kind of invulnerable yeah because in order to be vulnerable you have to sort of know your values, know your worth, be intact in how you think and feel about yourself. Therefore, nothing else can really affect that. So it's kind of like a an oxymoron, but one that works really well. I see what we did there. You see what I did there? For, for people who are listening and thinking, looking for some really practical advice, do you want to share any tips on on like things that you where someone should start maybe where should they go or should they have like would you have a conversation with a loved one first if they if they're sitting at home and they have feel such a weight on their shoulders of like not knowing where to begin what would you do well i guess if they're if they're comfortable chatting with their loved one definitely do that first but there there are some great resources online there is the so the the program i went on which i'm currently part of is called the Maguire program there is also the British Stammering Association website there is the Irish Stammering Association website and they have I'm not that I've ever done anything with them but I know they have meetups and I think one of the great things if you do have a stammer and you're still a little bit unsure of being open with your friends who maybe don't stammer they organize meetups and it's just great to talk to people who you know have gone through something similar mm-hmm. and you're working now with you're being trained in as a coach, like you were saying, and yeah. you are helping. It's amazing seeing what you're doing. I know you don't want to blow your own trumpet, but it is a trumpet that should be blown. That sounds wrong. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> <I'll let> that... <laughs> oh God. Um, but you are working now with like younger people. Oh, they don't have to be younger, but they're yeah, all ages. And you, you brought someone in to have the same coffee shop experience where they announced it and their mother filmed it and couldn't believe that they were willing to do it with you so it's just having this ripple effect then isn't it of like oh 100 percent. and i think part of the reasons why i want to become a coach on this course is that it'll make me work harder on my speech as well so it's it's not like you just do one course and that's it the the kind of beauty of of this program and other programs too is that it's this lifelong partnership mm. where you go back you do refresher courses you you ring other people on the course you share war stories you swap tips and you meet up and you you do little comfort challenges with them so it's just this 
idea of we're all in it together and that has such a such an amazing effect did you ever think you'd feel comfortable enough to record a podcast if you told me that i was doing this about a year and a half ago so this was before my first course i would have politely told you to fuck off. <laughs> so you have to be proud of yourself now do you take do you take time to like be afraid of yourself and and celebrate the relative milestones you've come through i do again without tooting one's own horn i do need to move away from the horn (laughs) and trumpet analogies (laughs) i i do if i'm for example if i do have a bad day now well if i think it's a bad day where i could have said more at a certain meeting or whatever while i do kind of feel that little moment of "Ah, you could have done that better i still think but hang on this time two years ago you wouldn't have gone up to someone on the street and told them you had a stammer or even stammered on purpose asking where something was so i do have to remind myself mm-hmm. how far i've come The biggest names in tennis are coming to Paris for the most anticipated Roland Garros in years. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled tournament access as the world's top players in tennis face off against each other. Will the veteran champions continue their dominance or will a fresh face emerge to challenge their legacy on the clay courts? Daily live coverage of this epic showdown begins Monday, May 20th. Don't miss a matchup. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. The easiest way to access Owning It Real Time is to head to the link in the episode description or episode details, whatever you call them, show notes. You will find the link in there at the top. You can sign up right away for Owning It Real Time and access a full library of 10 situation-specific audio guides that will help you own your anxiety even more than you've ever done before.